live on a Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It just seems uh, even more appropriate than a Wednesday to do it on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow. We appreciate everyone waiting those few extra days and being patient with us. So a little bit later in the week, but we are back in action for what is episode four of Two-Tone Take. Yes, episode four. Ready for this. It's a lot of great stuff to talk about, too. Um, so last week, we kind of left off with several cliffhangers because we've got guys that were put on pup list and not even showing up and a lot of unknowns it seemed like. And now here we are a little more than a week later and uh, just a little bit more complete picture of, of where things are at for the team, which is definitely exciting. Yeah. I think it was really good to kind of sit it out a couple of days and kind of see how the week unfolded. I mean, there was definitely uh, a lot of suspense with, uh, Beasley uh, not showing up to camp uh, as of Wednesday, and then you know a lot of talk of it uh, yesterday. But then he he finally kind of showed up today, so you know uh, kind of a weird train of events. But the good thing is now we can kind of cover that and talk through that versus kind of what I think would have been a lot of unknowns on Wednesday. Right. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like uh, a little bit of a sigh of relief. It, it's almost like right now with everything that's happening, it just makes anything that's like not entirely worked out or, or known yet just all the more like anxious, you know, because I mean, usually this time of year, you know, you're kind of just watching practices and kind of seeing how guys are coming in, sh in in terms of what kind of shape they're in and all of that. But this this time, since we're still waiting on some of that, it just I think it just adds to the intensity and then just the anticipation to figure out what's going on. Yeah. It's so odd. You know, I mean, you make a good point that a lot of times by now there would have been, you know, all these posts on, you know, the Titans website or on Twitter, for example, of, you know, guys running around, you know, in shorts with their helmets on, you know, the typical kind of camp stuff, you know, and, and right now it just feels like, it almost feels like it still hasn't even gotten started, even though technically yeah. a lot of them reported, you know, to camp uh, was, well, the rookies reported in first. Um, so they're ahead of, of the, uh, the veteran guys, but, you know, it's just kind of crazy to think that they're still kind of in quarantine and they still haven't even run around yet. So that's kind of wild. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we've definitely got the Beasley topic to discuss. Um, another presser with Vrabel that went down just a few days ago. Um, and really out of that, I think there were a lot of great player highlights to talk about. And then of course, there's just that reality of where things are at with the league. Um, and certainly a lot of things happening there uh, with the deadline now having passed for guys opting out. So I say we just dive right into it, man. What are your thoughts um, in terms of now that we know for sure Beasley's finally reported to camp? How, how are you feeling about that whole topic? I think it's good. I think it was, uh, you know, a bit of a distraction for the team to kind of sit there and, and have this guy unknown. I mean, uh, it's hard to say what you're missing when you don't know what you're missing yet, right? But I think – there was a definitely a lot of um, enthusiasm of him being part of the team this year, and not wanting, not having one of your brothers kind of show up to camp, um, especially kind of a high profile guy uh, that we kind of fought, you know, sought after in free agency. 
I think was a bit of a distraction. And I, you know, I think you pointed this out that Vrabel seemed, you know, a little bit annoyed over a lot of the questions and things that were going around him about, about Beasley. Uh, so I think now, now that he showed up and it's done, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily out of the doghouse and we can all kind of, you know, you know, let our, you know, our breath out from holding it. But I think, you know, at least now it's not about that. He's not in camp. Now it's just more like, is he, is he going to be ready to perform this year? Yeah, that's a really great thought about it. I think especially the part where, was this a distraction for the team? Um, as you mentioned, like a lot of the players have been pretty vocal about having, you know, talked to Beasley throughout the off season. And I don't know that anyone really spent time with him, but there were certainly a lot of communication between him and several of the players. Um, and so you'd have to imagine that that's a little bit disappointing at the very least. Um, the only thing I will say, and, and we really don't know a lot of details at, even now, but the only potential reason that we we've heard is is that there was a death in the family and so certainly you hope that you know that being the case that he's in good spirits and and the rest of his family and friends are in good spirits and doing well um we don't know how much of this was him trying to decide if he felt comfortable playing this year but it, it just added to some tension because i think there were probably some concerns even before this happening but a little bit of a sigh of relief that he did report. And of course he's going to be going through all the same protocol. And I think in a way that's maybe part of the annoyance that you might've heard from or seen with Rabel in that they're, they're not changing things just for one guy. I mean, obviously whether a guy shows up day one or is a little bit late in this case, they're going to go through the same process. And I think his phrasing was just around like, you know, we're looking to coach the guys that are here so it's definitely good that that finally includes Beasley. And now it's just a matter of what are we going to get out of this? Um, I think there were some headlines. I don't know if you noticed, but there were definitely some headlines this past week around Tennessee should basically just forget Beasley, move on, and get Clowney. And we're still kind of in that area where we're like hoping something happens with Clowney, but there's no news. So it's a little bit of we, we do have Beasley. He's now here, but what are we going to get out of it? Yeah, I, I think they're – that was a good point that, you know, some of the leverage we had in negotiating probably with Clowney would have been, uh, I guess, in Clowney's favor had we not had Beasley because, you know, the whole thing was I think he sort of made it known early on uh, this year that he wanted $20 million a year. Um, I know a lot of teams kind of balked at that considering his uh, injury record. Uh, not to Not to say that he's not a phenomenal – pass rusher and he actually had his best year under Vrabel uh with the Texans so I mean there's definitely that connection but at 20 million a year um you know you want a guy that you know uh that's going to perform you know day in day out and I'm not saying that he won't give it his all I just think with some of the injury bugs that he's had it's hard to pay top dollar for a guy like that um, that being said uh you know with Beasley now in camp uh, at least now, it, as we progress through those talks, we don't necessarily have to be like, yes, we'll pay you whatever you want because we don't have anyone else. You know, so I think it keeps the conversation probably where uh, Robinson would like to be uh, from my perspective. But I mean, at the same time, we don't know, you know, some team might get, you know, really desperate and 
be, agree to pay him $20 million a year, you know, so we'll have to see. Yeah, and especially in a year like this where it, it's going to get really complex in terms of what guys are available for which teams. Um, so in a way, it's a little bit arguably surprising that, that you know, Clowney is still available, still sitting there. Um, but, you know, we were talking um, yesterday about this. Like I looked at the just the stats, career stats for Beasley and Clowney, because I think right now what's happening is there's like two separate schools of thought where it's like some people are all in on Clowney and either just already over Beasley or just kind of like, why would we even waste our time? But if you look at those two guys, even it's different positions, I realize, but they both have close to 80 career games played. Beasley has 37 and a half sacks, Clowney with 32 sacks, um, 119 solo tackles for Beasley, Clowney with 172. And both guys last season really stepped it up. So both guys are coming off seasons where, for the most part, they really, they really played well. So in a way, you look at that, and it kind of gives a good, I think, a good perspective on maybe why, you know, J-Rob in that front office even felt like pulling the trigger on Beasley to begin with in the hopes that they can also add in Clowney. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Beasley on, you know, on paper, and I can't remember, I think it was his rookie year or his second year was when he had that breakout season, and then he kind of had some off years and then last year he kind of stepped it back up uh, you know granted that the the Falcons hadn't been you know really killing it the last couple of years which you know could have played into some of that and I know that uh, they they went through a couple of defensive coordinators so there there was some some things there but I mean I think you know definitely the uh, the physical gifts that Beasley has uh, definitely if with the right coach you could he would be a premier pass rusher just based on that you know I'm not saying that he you know he's going to easily get there and just show up to camp and that's going to happen I'm just saying I think with you know the coaches working with him and and getting there I think he can definitely turn things around and I think you brought up such a good point comparing them together because you know I think that's really important when you look at this because uh, if you looked at it on paper, like you like you put it out there, you would say we're getting a guy at nine million who another guy was costing twenty million who kind of performed the same way. But like you said, they're totally different positions. Um, I think Clowney, you know, gets a lot of double teams. He has one of the highest percentage of double teams, and you know, those kinds of things don't necessarily play into the stats, right? I mean, you know, yeah. he's not gonna, he's not going to get a, a sack getting double teamed on every play. Um, but at the same time, he definitely opened it up for a stunt. Or even if he got chipped at the line, that means that the linebacker didn't have to worry about the tight end for, you know, the first couple of seconds of the play, which might have allowed them to be in a better position for something else. You know, there's just all kinds of things you can kind of get off of that double team stat. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think these guys, if we had both, I mean, we would probably be an elite defense up front, you know, right off the back. Yeah. But I I think with one of them, uh, you know, Beasley being a little bit less, it, you know, is really, you know, could do a lot for the team. And then I think, you know, what at least what goes through my mind, my mind as well is that you kind of wonder how we let Case, Casey Darrell Casey walk, and I think he was supposed to make right around twelve or thirteen million. Uh, you know, do, we let him walk at that price tag, but we're trying to fight over Clowney at 
you know, roughly, you know, anywhere between 15 and 20. So, you know, it, it's just kind of tricky the way that all plays out. Yeah. And super valid points. And I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the Casey aspect because I think one of the other obvious concerns is, you know, we signed Beasley, we haven't pulled the trigger on Clowney. So there's been all this like talk about it. And you certainly hope both of those guys can come in because as you mentioned, they're disruptive players and that's the whole goal is to get them in there for that. And to your point, help us create a more elite defense. The interesting thing about, you know, Casey leaving is that um, one of the things Vrabel spoke to in the presser was Jeffrey Simmons. And they really seem to feel very confident in, in his, you know, progression so far. Obviously he learned a ton from Casey last year and in only nine games, he had two sacks and 18 tackles himself. So they're it seems like they're really relying on Simmons to kind of step into that, Casey role, so to speak, and really handle that part of the defense. And then obviously look for these other guys to contribute on the edge. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think, uh, you know, he did say in the presser, he had high expectations for Simmons. And I think, you know, where I think he was going with that was that like, okay, we saw, you know, we kind of eased you into the system. You definitely did, you know, pretty well for kind of a, a makeshift year uh, with, now the one of the most veteran players on the team i think he was the longest player next to suckum uh on the team in terms of a tenure uh leaves are are you ready to kind of take on that role so it kind of really seemed like he you know didn't i I just don't think Vrabel's gonna um keep the kitty gloves on for him he's gonna be like hey man you're the guy down the middle you got to perform and i think he will i think he's got all the tools to do it i mean i i really see him as one of the elite, you know, inside guys right now, um, once he gets going, I mean, he's so disruptive. I mean, you know, for just being such a young guy, I think you can definitely, I think one of the, the traits he had, you know, in the draft was how strong he was. Um, I remember he had one of the higher uh, bench presses and, you know, those kinds of things. And so, yeah, he's going to, you know, just his sheer force could just really push the pile up the middle and that's going to be huge for us, you know. Yeah, and we know, too, that he's he's in better shape, right? So last mm-hmm. year was a little bit tough and not ideal because he was coming off the injury. You know, there's already been talk about how he stayed in shape, dropped some weight. That That was just going to add to his his playmaking ability. Um, and, you know, you kind of mentioned that concept of Vrabel not taking the gloves off for these guys. He talked at some point about how, for him, players are more important than the plays. And I think that really is probably the most honest, accurate focus of, like, where this team is at. Um, yes, they're going to scheme. Yes, we're going to try to figure out, you know, offensive plays that score, defensive plays that disrupt. But this really is about getting those guys on the same page, ready to compete, ready to make a difference, whether it's one play, one game, or the season. Yeah, and I'll I'll actually finish off that quote because I wrote that same quote down. Um, He said, you know, players are more important than plays. And he said teammates are more important than the players. Mm. Um, So uh, he – he definitely, you know, is wants the, you know, the guys to be safe. It seemed foremost. That was kind of like his big theme of the presser was that, you know, he wants guys to be safe. He wants some, the player's health was more important than anything else. Um, and so, but then after that, it's about trying to, you know, get the players in the right position to be successful. And it's not so much that, Hey, we have this like secret play that's going to somehow score seven points. It's more like, no, we're going to coach our players 
to play together so that they're successful on whatever play it is? You know, does it have to be this like secret drawn up, you know, Statue of Liberty play? It's got, it can just be, you know, a regular run to the left and hopefully Henry breaks it because everybody got blocked like they expect them to. Yeah. And you think about last season, I mean, I try to stay focused on, you know, the here and now or beyond, but you think about last season, there were these random moments and plays where it was almost guys that sometimes you had to look up and be like, wait, who is that? You know, <laughs> like the the guy that blocked the kick against Kansas City. Then we had the, you know, the block and return uh, against Indy several weeks later. There's just these super, super important influential plays that sometimes are just made by that guy who's just in there on special teams or or just in there on that one play. And this is something I think the entire group is aware of because uh, just earlier today um, or in the last day or so, there's been some updates from even like Rashad Evans, who's who's talked about how he wants to even be involved on offense. Now, it's unfair because if they hand the ball off to Rashad Evans, I'm pretty sure we're going to score every time. But (laughs) I think it just shows that they kind of have embraced that concept that you talked about where like it really is about the personnel. Yeah, I mean, you really got to design, you know, the defense or the offense, for example, to just kind of play to everybody's strength. I think Dean P said that uh, practically the whole year last year is that they try to, you know, get players to learn different things so they can do different things to be successful. And at the same time, they try not to overcomplicate the game plan for the player because they just want to play to their strengths and kind of keep it that way, you know, I mean – Sure, they could probably do all these exotic type of of things, but at the end of the day, if the player's just really good at, you know, a certain type of coverage or whatever it is they're asking, they'll just ask them to do that and make sure they do it really well. Definitely. And it's going to be a test, right? I mean, this the one of the things mentioned is that they're not even going to have an actual padded practice until the 17th. So, I mean, that's still, you know, more than a week away. Um, so it, it, it is going to be interesting to see, you know, especially the rookies. But if you think about it, we've got a young team really overall. We've got a lot of guys in their, you know, second, third year or around that time frame. Um, so this is definitely a huge opportunity for all of them to really kind of show what they're made of and how well they can prepare. So it, it's it's going to be interesting, but but I think exciting. Yeah, and that point you just made, I actually wrote that quote down from Vrabel. He said, the more a player can handle, the more we'll give them. Um, yeah. And so if if they're ready – to take on more, uh, let it be a, a rookie or a vet who's maybe never played a certain position before, they'll, they'll give it to them if they're ready. And, you know, one of the other things he said was that com- communication is critical for any success to a team. And I thought that was really important because, you know, in football, there's communications huge, especially like when you think of like the secondary or the offensive line, you know, all of those guys got to be, on the same page at that right at that moment when the you know the ball gets hiked so um yeah no i think it's i think he's saying all the right things i think he's got the right mindset and you know he's definitely you know saying all you know just kind of really feeding the team i think what they really need to hear you know definitely so in terms of some other uh player news or updates a couple of positive notes uh Jayon brown uh, off that pup list, past the physical, that was super awesome to see. I know that there was a little bit of concern last week because it's not a lot of details, really weren't sure. Sounds like he's good to go. And then also that rookie, uh, Isaiah Wilson, 
officially signed and inked and he's now off the COVID reserve list. So those are definitely kind of some, some good, some good things to see in terms of guys just progressing through and being available for practice. Yeah, no. And I saw today how they placed the defensive lineman, Jack Crawford on the reserve COVID-19 list. So that was kind of a headline of some sort, you know, um, you know, and yeah, I mean, Jalen coming off the pup list was huge. Um, I think for me anyways, I thought he was a big part of our defense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, things are kind of aligning for us, you know, in a good way, I think, compared to some other teams that are, you know, either having a lot of guys opt out, which, you know, again, is their personal choice. But I think, you know, at the same time, we're not kind of seeing that. So it's it's a little bit of an advantage for us, you know. Yeah, and, and it's just a matter of perspective, of course, but I think it is interesting to think about like how each team is handling what's happening right now. A um, little bit of a one-off, but like I mentioned how there's a report that in the Raiders team, they kind of faked news that Gruden had coronavirus just to see how the players would handle it. And to me, that's a little bit odd because it's like, wouldn't you – like, wouldn't you want to just be a little more honest maybe, you know, with your team? <laughs> and and it seems like our team is just almost cutthroat in terms of how straightforward they are. I mean, like, you talk to almost any player, any coach, and they're they're either going to give you an answer that they are behind or if there's nothing to tell you, then they're basically going to say there's nothing to tell you. Yeah, that's a really odd sort of fire drill, if you will, to go through. Um, you know, I, I think that's a weird experiment to kind of – pull on your team um i don't know what kind of learnings they got out of it because it'd be interesting to see how far they went with it in terms of um you know information and time because i'm sure the more the players kind of sat around knowing that the coach was out on covid um you might have gotten some really interesting responses you know uh but at the same time i don't i don't know how necessary that is um you know i sort of think if I was in that situation uh, with all of the different intricacies of trying to make camp work this season, uh, I'd rather just them feeding me what I need to do every day instead of like sort of coming in for, or thinking there's just a surprise like test that might be given to me at some point because, you know, they just want to see if you're, uh, how you would handle things, <laughs> you know? Right. And I, and I only mentioned that cause I, all that to say, like, I'd rather, I'd rather have the straightforward approach. Like I know yep. there's times where it's like, we don't really seem to get a lot of information or answers or it's almost like guys are so deadpan that you're like, okay, that seems a little odd, but at least we know, like, this is where the team's at. This is the current plan that's in place. Our expectations are to go out there and win and get better. And that's it. Like, like we know what to expect. Yeah. No, I think, Vrabel takes everything kind of head on and, you know, no excuses, you know, they just go out there and, you know, I think it's just one of those things where he really prides himself on, you know, teaching the players everything they need to know or do to be successful, you know? Um, And so I I just don't think they kind of pull any punches like that, at least not in their sort of realm of how they run the team, you know? Right. Anything else that uh, stood out to you from the presser? Um, no, that I think it was kind of nice to hear some of the off season awards that went to Logan Woodside, Richard, uh, Dave, Richard Davis and Richard Evans, you know, um, yeah. I think that was kind of cool to hear that, you know, those guys, you know, like he said in the presser that it was a little harder to kind of pick, you know, who were the winners 
due to the way everything was working out. But it was good to see, uh, at least for me, I thought it was really good to see Woodside's name in that list because, yes. you know, coming into this season, um, he pretty much has the, you know, backup quarterback position uh, at this point and them not chasing anybody in free agency shows that they were pretty confident in him. So him winning that award is pretty awesome. And I think that uh, is a good sign of that he's working hard and he really wants to take that job and, you know, keep, uh, um, I can't think of the rookie's name on the bench so that, you know, he just, you know, is, is there and he's suits up every Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it, it also kind of just shows Rabel's attention to detail, right? I mean, cause when I, when I read that list, not surprised to see Rashawn Evans. He's been a beast for us. Logan Woodside, we've talked about already a little bit. I think he really excelled last preseason for the team. So they've been super excited and confident in his progression. And that's going to be an interesting spot because I, I'm okay with us having it, you know, Tannehill starter and then, you know, Woodside McDonald. But it'll be interesting to kind of see the competition between McDonald and Woodside um, as things go on. But Rashard Davis kind of surprised me because at first I didn't recognize that name entirely. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, which guy is that? But he had some late year involvement um, and was actually special teams for us at times in that wild card winning against New England. So I think it's just cool that that even a guy like that who – maybe wasn't there the entire year, right? Or maybe isn't like a, a typical name that someone might recognize still showed that much effort and potential throughout the off season. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's a, a good point that, you know, that the whole team, no matter if you play special teams or you're a, a backup of some sort, I mean, all the guys are really working hard and, and they really want to be successful. So I think that's just awesome to hear, you know, the other guy I, I just can't help but but highlight also is Harold Landry, the third. He mm. is coming in on his year three, actually. Um, <laughs> but he's I, I think this is the one of the one of the guys to really look look out for defensively this coming season. Um, I mean, he had nine sacks last year alone, um, and he he really was a player that I think has gotten really good in even just a few seasons at anticipating plays. Like his sacks are usually those sacks that are almost untouched or just able to read the defense, break through the line. Um, so he seems incredibly eager, um, and I'm I'm really excited for his development there. Yeah, I mean, I think he he's come a long way. You know, we drafted him out of Boston College. Um, you know, in the second round, I think it was. Um, he's really he really had a great year last year. Like you said, um, he had one of the you know better bend moves out of out of the NCAA, you know, to rush the passer. And we've definitely seen him take advantage of that. Um, you know, and I think with Landry, it seemed like he came out of the gate last year on defense and it looked like he was going to maybe be a double digit guy. Right. It just really seemed like that out the gate, but then due to the way some of the defense and some different things that happened, his, he sort of had a drop off in production, um, you know, it's kind of hard to know all the details or, or why that sort of happened. But I'm hoping that this year with them, uh, you know, signing Beasley, you know, hopefully signing Clowney, you know, uh, getting these other guys in a position to help him out uh, will definitely up his numbers where he gets into that double digit and really makes a difference and doesn't have any kind of drop off because he's, you know, I think one, one of the things he was doing was dropping in a coverage last year a lot more. Uh, when mm. Pease was trying to uh, create more zones, you know, and kind of throw off the offenses. So I don't think 
you know, I'm not saying he won't ever play in coverage. I just mean, like, I don't think it's going to be sort of a staple when, you know, our secondary was facing a lot of adversity. And I think he was having to drop in a coverage more. And, you know, there was some rumors of like possible injuries and things that were slowing him down. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, it, we never really found out the story there, at least. You know, Vrabel never disclosed it, and uh, so, but uh, just yeah. like Vrabel, yeah. <laughs> but I think he has a fantastic year, you know, especially if yeah, if if Bleasy plays up to snuff. I mean, I can't imagine what an offensive line would have to do with those two guys rushing off the edge, you know. Well, and it's a good point in terms of like the production kind of staggering, you know, at one point, and also just accounting for the coverage options that were needed. One thing that really is just a hunch for me is, you know. Uh, Landry himself said that for him this year, it's not like he's trying to figure out a thousand moves to, to use, but really just more so focusing on, on, you know, two or three. And so you kind of maybe see that as a learning curve where it's like maybe last year, part of the challenge was he was trying so many different things that it's like, like at some point you're, it's like, you're trying too much. Whereas I think he's very locked in. He's very focused at this point. And, and hopefully, even though we're, you know, maybe changing the scheme up a bit without peas hopefully that kind of allows him to be utilized in a, in a more consistent way. Yeah. You know, the, the, the outside linebacker coach, uh, you know, he sort of had his own little pressure and um, man, you know, he seems like he's really uh, kind of next in line for that defensive coordinator position. And, you know, the reason why I say that is I, he kept saying how he was sort of an extension of Rabel. And so if the guy that's the coach at that position is in that sort of high in the pecking order of probably being the next defensive coordinator for the team. You know, he's going to have those guys just kind of, you know, just really coached up, I think. So, you know, it's yeah. going to, it's going to be a fun year. I think Landry, you know, definitely is going to have a, an opportunity to shine this year. And like you said, he, I think he probably was trying to figure out, okay, what do I have in my bag of tricks to kind of run where I think, this year, I think he's probably figured all that out, and it's just going to be more of like, all right, let's just go, you know, and so it'll be a little easier on him. Yeah, I agree. So uh, on to a guy that – and I don't know how much we've talked about him on on air here aside from, from last week's news, but um, update on Corey Davis in terms of why he's starting on the pup list was that there was off-season toe surgery. And you and I have talked enough to where I think we're on the same page that – he's a little bit on the bubble this season as it is, um, you know, last year, especially kind of just seemed like he just wasn't quite uh, on top of things. There were some drop passes, some plays where it's like, he, it's like he would catch the ball. And in my opinion, just kind of give up on the play. Like he just seemed content to not always look for those extra yards. What's your take getting that news in terms of the, the type of injury and or surgery he's coming off of and how that might impact his year? Um, I think it's good. I, I you know, I think it was a toe surgery, right? Is that what it was? Uh, yep. You know, I know, you know, when it comes to like turf toe, for example, I know that's a very painful injury to have because with turf toe, for example, there's not really anything you can do. You just have to like let it heal or, you know, go to surgery, like, which is probably the option he ended up going with, you know, and it's, it must be, you know the pain must be excruciating to not well, even yeah he probably play. played through it and then had the surgery too so. yeah yeah and so you know that's hard and I think with Davis you know I think the fan base you know him being a, a, a former first rounder had so much high hopes for him even even my uncle one time called me and he was just like always you know he was excited for us to pick him up you know and 
my, it was kind of random that my uncle even said that. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so he's, he's one of those guys. I think everybody wanted to see be successful. Didn't have the greatest stats. Um, I think last year was actually a pretty decent year overall. Um, one of the things that I think he just doesn't get enough credit for is the amount of blocking that he does because he's so Absolutely. big and physical. Um, now, uh, you know, that being said, do you sign a guy long-term to block on the outside? Mm-hmm. You know, it's tricky, you know, uh, cause I think had they tagged him, I think he would, the tag would have been roughly like in the $15 million range or something. And I mean, yeah. I don't know, you know, we're trying to argue how to pay, clowny that kind of money and he's a top tier guy at his position and i mean i don't think we could say the same about davis you know nothing against him i just don't think he's in that echelon of guys right now um but at the same time i think you know he he has all the physical attributes that you'd want i mean he's basically a mirror image of julio jones you know uh so it's like you know why wouldn't you want a guy that size so i mean i I just really think he, he, he can turn it around this year. I think he's he can be successful if he just keeps his head down. But I think the good thing for us is that even if we don't end up signing him next year, I think he's going to play to try to get that signing, and that just helps us out this year, right? Sure. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to hear that essentially he's, he's going to be healthy, especially for this year. I mean, that's the key with any guy, of course, is just are they even healthy enough to, to be at that 100% or more? And, and I think it's important because you know defenses are going to already be gunning, f- looking for the run with Henry, but also A.J. Brown has become that, like, star receiver. So I think there's definitely going to be an opportunity, even with, like, Humphreys in the lineup, even with our, our some of our tight ends, for, you know, Corey Davis to really be an option. Um, and he, he does seem to be one of those guys that – it's like we look for him on really crucial plays. Like I feel like he gets a lot of third down throws. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're going for a fourth down, we don't hesitate to throw it down, like down deep to him. Like he's definitely an important role. So I, I think um, it's going to be good to see, you know, where he's at. And like you said, maybe just good motivation for him knowing what this year is, you know, to, to really try to, to overperform if anything and, and, and just give us a chance to compete. So were you happy uh, personally that they had picked up uh, Dory's contract over Davis, and and before you answer that, which one would you have picked? You know, between oh, the man. two, I I wouldn't change it. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, last year I know it was tough because he he battled some injuries, but I think that the ceiling on a Dory is just there isn't one. Um, I think, and especially against some of the marquee AFC matchups that we're going to have to win to get to the Super Bowl. And you could even argue, I think, the NFC teams that we might face in the Super Bowl, we are going to need his speed. Um, there's There was a play in that Kansas City game during the regular season where, um, and I want to say it was Tyreek Hill that caught the ball, and Romo, right out of the gates, Tony Romo was like, that's a touchdown. And within seconds, he was like, oh, just kidding, a Dory caught him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of playmaker that he is. Um, He's had some learning moments, of course, you know, where you're kind of like, okay, don't muff that punt or you don't have to run it back to the house every time if you're returning. But I I think he showed a lot of um, improvement last year just in coverage. You know, I mean, he's a smaller guy, but he's really physical. I think he's done a great job disrupting receiver routes, um, getting hands on the ball when that when the pass is there. So between the two guys, it's tough, right, to, to ever choose in that sense. But 
I'm okay with them going with a Dory. I think that long-term we're really going to need somebody in that spot. Yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, when you look at them both, you know, they're kind of tied to the hip going in the first round, you know, that year, uh, you definitely think just from some of the production and different, you know, highlights of the year that a Dory was definitely worthy of getting picked up. Uh, and Davis, you know, maybe you just try to see, you know, how this year plays out, you know, I mean, they still had the option to, to tag him if they wanted to. Right. But I mean, it's just not one of those things. And so I think they definitely just, uh, you know, kind of see what he does and, you know, who knows, he might, he might not be so, uh, you know, most times when you don't pick up that option, the, the guy gets irked with the team. Right. So it's just more like I'm playing for my next team type of thing. Uh, but, you know, he might actually have, uh, I guess, a good relationship with Robinson where it's not so much where he's like, you know, oh, screw the team. I'm just going to play and move on. He could get to the end of the year after a great season and actually be like, hey, yeah, you know, I like it here. This is a winning culture. Uh, maybe I'll, you know, try to, you know, actually sign, you know. So we'll see what happens, you know. Yeah. Lots to look forward to for sure. Yeah. Uh, the only other guy that I did want to highlight or give a shout out to is Dennis Kelly. <laughs> um, he is, uh, he's our, our NFL PA rep. Um, but he's getting a lot of praise right now and a little bit of heat in a fun way from the team, just because he is that guy that's currently been the stickler on everyone kind of paying attention to the rules, being smart about masks and so forth. And I, and I think, you know, with all that's going on, I, I, you know, it's been an adjustment for everyone, no matter who you are, uh, this pandemic. But I can only imagine for athletes, you, you got to know there's a lot of camaraderie, especially this time of year. There's got to be a lot of fun had just getting back to camp, you know, getting through practices and scrimmages. So for this to all be so odd in terms of how it's playing out right now and with there's so much uncertainty, I think it's just awesome that you've got a guy who's just trying to stay focused and keep everybody safe. Um, so I, I, I had to give him a shout out. Yeah, I actually like the quote from Taylor Lewan, uh that was on ESPN where he says, I think Dennis would be an unbelievable dictator in any country <laughs> the way he's been handling the mask thing. Wouldn't he have to change his hair? I'm trying to think of like historically, have we ever had like a crazy long haired dictator? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, that's actually one thing. I think they're usually pretty clean cut or fat, right? So you'd have to get a haircut. Uh, but then it's real. <laughs> well, you know, at six six foot uh, eight inches and three hundred and twenty one pounds, I mean, he's definitely a force to you know come in your face and say, "Hey, put a mask on." <laughs> right. I wouldn't. I mean, you're not going to say no to that unless you're a fool. So. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe Shaq. Shaq might be the only person that could say that. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely some exciting stuff coming up. Today was actually supposed to be uh, take the field day for rookies along with QBs and just that first wave of guys. So that's exciting. Hopefully we'll get some some good follow-ups from there. And then uh, August 14th will be that first open media practice. And then again, the 17th, the first padded practice. So still some time to to kind of get through to to see how things go. But I think overall, I think it's, it, in my opinion, even with the Beasley issue, um, I think that, that it seems to me the team is on the same page. Um, that's just super encouraging. I mean, we've brought over, you know, 10 of 11 guys on the offensive side. You know, we've certainly kept, I think, the core of our defense, adding in some other guys. So it's just good to see that, that everyone's 
ready and, and determined. Yeah, and to build on that point, I think the coaching staff kind of, you know, not losing too many, you know, not too many changes this offseason, you know, the, the offensive side of the ball in terms of the staff has, has virtually not changed at all. Um, I mean, you had some changes on the defensive side, but, you know, a lot of those guys kind of live and breathe Pisa's system and, you know, it's basically a copycat of what Vrabel probably would have done. So I think from even, like you said, all the players are on the same page moving forward, but I think even the coaches are, you know, there's not a lot of change there. So I think with all of that momentum, I think it's it's going to be a great season for us. So I'm just really excited for, you know, see how all of that translates this year. Definitely. Anything else on the team you can think of? Uh, no, I mean, uh, just some quick highlights uh, from some of the other coaching pressers I thought were newsworthy was, you know, how high uh, Arthur was on Logan Woodside. Um, you know, he kind of had a lot of good things to say about him. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he said that, uh, you know, Tannehill said, uh, gave Arthur a compliment that he was his favorite offensive coordinator to work with. I thought that was kind of cool mm. to hear. Um, you know, Shane Baldwin, the uh, outside linebacker coach, again, sort of uh, putting it out there that he's basically, you know, an extension of Rabel. And, you know, he's going to be, you know, there to kind of probably when Rabel's not around, kind of take over for him. So that was really good to hear. Um, he also said, you know, that Beasley had needs to work hard when he gets there because that's kind of the way the culture is. And and if you don't want to, that you won't be a good fit with the team, you know. So I thought that was really cool to hear that that's kind of the mantra. Like, you know, it's like, hey, there's no slacking, you know, no loafing on the team. Everybody's there to work. So, you know, all that was encouraging. Yeah. And that's a good point with, with the new defensive coach. I know, um, you know, Bayard mentioned earlier in the week that, you know, obviously, you know, they're going to miss peas, but, but there, there seems to already be a good rapport, um, you know, with, with Bowen and, and that's huge because again, he is going to essentially be that voice, you know, for the defense when, when Vrabel's either, you know, tied up or, or managing the game or, you know, with the offense. So, you know, it, it's great to kind of already see that mindset in place. Um, I think especially, you know, for the most part, I think our defense is, has, has remained the same, right? we got those core guys, and I think they're all just super eager to continue performing and learning. Um, we talked about Woodside earlier, but I agree. It's it's almost encouraging, um, even though we, we obviously have Tannehill. I mean, it, it, you, you do want to feel good about that number two spot just in case. Um, and I actually remember, you know, last year watching Woodside in, in preseason. It was just super impressive. So the fact that they still feel good about his progression um, really tells you a lot. Um, and also Adam Humphreys. I mean, I know he's a guy that, you know, that was kind of a big signing at the time. And last year was a little bit tough because of injury where I feel like we maybe didn't really get to see the potential in using him as much as we would have liked. Um, but it sounds like he's ready to go. And I know that he is especially excited to have Tannehill back. So I think that's kind of one of those pairings to watch, um, is to really see how those two can play together. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it is kind of a mixed bag with Humphreys. I mean, I don't think we really saw his, his potential. I mean, we paid him, you know, top dollar to come in as a slot receiver. Um, he did make, you know, some really impressive catches at that position, but I don't think he, really killed it like maybe some of the hope was of course he had injuries and you know I think Arthur kind of being you know maybe 
maybe being a little new to offensive coordinating didn't quite put him in some of the positions maybe he needed. I mean, you know, and it could have been, you know, also, you know, that slump where we had with Mariota kind of at the, you know, at taking taking the keys to the offense, right? And then eventually Tannehill, uh, you know, running, you know, driving the, the car. So I, I just, I don't know what it was, but I hope this year is, is better for him because I think he, he has really a lot of potential to help us because I think, you know, one of the things, you know, that we have to focus on is keeping Tannehill upright. And I think having that check down yeah. receiver in the slot is really the guy he needs to go to when he gets in trouble and not, not take the sack, you know. So I don't think yeah, and he, and he's a quick guy, right? So to that point, that that is huge. I also think a lot of times last year when they did use him, it was very, very, very precise plays. You know, a lot of third downs that were like those, you know, third and three to third and six type plays where he would just run like a quick out. Um, I also think that that could be huge force at the goal line this coming season because if you get to the goal line, obviously we want to run the ball, but you know, if we end up with just a good look. Um, or if it's, you know, third and goal and, you know, it's there, I think that's a guy you could probably utilize in that position. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. Of course, he, he came from Tampa Bay and you kind of have to wonder if he's like, man, I was this close to playing with Tom Brady, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad we have him. And it seems like he likes where he's at. Well, it's got to be even more bittersweet for him because he actually turned down the Patriots who were, I think, going to pay him more money, uh, but he decided to sign with us instead. Uh, so they really wanted him as a slot receiver, but we kind of stole him out of there, which he would have played for Brady theoretically that year or last year had he actually signed with them, right? And then to your point, if he had just stayed in Tampa, he would have played for Brady as well. So it's kind of interesting. He must know something. He was like, I got to get out of here. But, you know, it's interesting to look at because even last year, even with it not being an ideal year, he averaged 10 yards a catch. So he's just one of those guys that I think really presents kind of a tough matchup for the defense because I think he's easy to lose. He's, you know, he's a smaller, quick guy, but he's super physical. So it's, uh, there's definitely a lot of upside, um, especially to him, to him being healthy. Yeah, and I think you know, he had one of the uh, best yards after catch uh, in terms of free agent receivers. So I think that's why he was one of the ones that was really sought after by a lot of teams. And I felt really good that we picked him up just based on that alone. Um, you know, I didn't really know too much about Humphreys until we started to get serious about looking, at, you know, to sign him. But yeah, you know, so uh, we didn't quite, we definitely saw it on some of the third downs, like you, as you mentioned, but I don't think he really had a chance to kind of, you know, be that consistent guy of just catching those short, maybe underneath things or just kind of shorter passes, but then turning it into something bigger, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think all things said, it, it, to me, it's impossible to not be excited about this team. Um, I mean, certainly there's going to be some some kind of touch and go with, with everything that's still going on in terms of how the season might play out. Um, but I, I think we've got one of the youngest in a good way and then just really one of the most talented, determined group of guys. Um, and so... I, I think we're right in line to, to certainly make a good playoff run. Um, at, at the very least, ideally be right back there in that championship game. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So on to just general league news. Um, it, it, I think at this point, it's just going to probably get a little bit more and more odd until hopefully we at least get to that first actual game. <laughs> um, we're officially past the opt-out deadline. But, you know, it, it's almost like that just now brings more questions than anything in terms of 
what happens now. Um, so almost 70 players, 69 looks like have opted out, but it's complicated because these players, um, you know, they're essentially getting an advance for the season. Um, but it doesn't mean that that season's actually accrued or credited. So there's benefits that could be lost contracts that are there actually get frozen until next year. Um, the team does get a cap credit, but then that comes back around. It's just a very odd scenario. What, what do you make of kind of where we're at with kind of the opting out and, and how it's going to impact the season? Yeah, I think it's going to have a huge effect uh, on the season because I think, you know, a lot of guys that basically cross the line early on, you know, it came from a place where they just didn't want to take a risk, right? They were just like, you know what, my family, my health is more important and so that I think that was kind of the the mindset of the guys that you know decided to opt out early on. Then you had a lot of guys that waited till the very last minute to kind of you know opt out. And you had a lot of big names in there. You had you know a lot of star players that you know decided not to take the chance. So I mean, you know, it's interesting now that we've passed that mark. What what do you do now, right? I mean, what if a team has like a big breakout similarly to? you know, like the Marlins, for example, in, in, in baseball, I mean, does a guy get spooked and just be like, you know what, this isn't worth it. This isn't for me. Um, you know, so it's going to be really interesting. I, I think the NFL's kind of wrongly should have not up that date. I think that kind of put the players in kind of a tighter situation and, you know, it kind of made them probably play. There's probably a lot of guys that were on the bubble that, weren't sure to play but because of the deadline moving up they just went ahead and went for it but i think that's going to be problematic because at like i said if a team has a big scare or it you know they they play against each other and you know there ends up being a breakout after the game i don't know if guys want to like you know stay signed up for something like that you know yeah again just probably more questions than anything um and i think I think to me, it kind of just represents just a little bit of denial and also just a little bit of just flat out uncertainty in terms of how anyone should handle what's going on. I mean, you know, kind of the talk from from what I, I read and heard the last few days is just that the NFL and the owners um, didn't think so many players would want to opt out, which is interesting. Um, I, I kind of can see that going both ways, but it's like as much as any person wants there to be football and obviously there's money to be had in football being played, of course, but, but you also just have to consider that reality that you talked about so well last week of, you know, these are guys with, you know, family, friends and so forth. And so ultimately health is going to be the most important thing. Um, And so I think, like you said, that deadline getting bumped really added some pressure, but weirdly we still don't know what happens now. And I think that's, that's the part that I think is, is, is even more, uh, not ideal because a player could still in theory opt out. We just don't know what, how it's going to get handled. Um, And then, and then beyond that. So now at this point, if they decide to cancel the season, you're talking about more money going out to players. Um, And then after September 5th, even more money. So it definitely just kind of is like a domino effect of like how complicated this gets at this point. Um, And the only other thing I can think of that I think has been, really flat out terrible the past few weeks is that you're seeing false positives. So you've got, you know, Matt Stafford in Detroit, 
Gardner Minshew. Not that I'm thrilled about Minshew in any sense, but in the, <laughs> the day, you don't want to see a guy sidelined incorrectly. So it's a lot, but I mean, that part especially, they've got to be super careful with because it's like imagine if one of our guys gets put on reserve and it turns out it wasn't even legit. Yeah, right. You have an instance where like Henry, you know, tests positive on the test and then it he sits out the game and only to find out, you know, that day that it was actually not true, right? So it'd be pretty uh pretty crazy if something like that happened. And you know, the tricky thing is is that, you know, when you're using the um the blood test, I know there's a lot of false positives with that. Um, you sort of get the um, instant gratification because the results come back very quickly. Uh, but the problem is, is that it's not very accurate. So it's, it, you, you know, it's one of those things. Do you want it right now or do you want it, do you want it to be right? So the other option is to do the, uh, the nasal swab, which I hear is very painful. Um, and that, takes a, that could potentially take longer to get back uh, based on how convoluted the system is. You know, I'm sure that these teams have enough money and wield enough power to get instant results back. But overall, it is a longer process because you got to take the swab, take the sample and send it off. Right. So, uh, you know, it's just really interesting because, like you said, what if a guy takes that test that gives him a false positive when they should be using the other test? But then it's like, well, you know, it just kind of can go back and forth on this all day. And I really hope that you know, the Titans sort of avoid those kinds of things, you know, going into this season with everything going on, you know, I just, it's just going to be really tricky. I think as it gets closer to opening, opening day, because I think between now and then, you know, you're seeing guys move on to the COVID, uh, you know, injury list or whatever it's called. Exactly. I, I get that mixed with all of them now. Um, but you know, if they keep, if you start to see a higher, uh, group of guys moving in there, I think it's going to really start to question, um, you know, how they're going to handle the season. And and I think you actually brought up a really good and probably interesting point is that they weren't expecting so many guys to opt out. I think, you know, football being such a tough man, you know, everybody's, you know, they're bigger than, you know, the strongest, biggest guys. You know, want to be a, free, you know, a, a flu type of virus. Right. You know, uh, flu, I'm just just you kind of imagine these guys as like, you know, uh, gladiators walking around on Earth and, and for them to kind of like say, hey, you know what, this isn't for us. I'm sure that did kind of surprise a lot of people, especially the owners, you know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be super interesting. Um, and, and there's certainly that aspect of, you know, how prepared can you reasonably expect something to be? But you know, you've seen like the NBA, I think it only took them a couple of months, you know, to come up with the bubble scenario. Um, and so I did some reading on like why the NFL didn't want to try that. And they just, they just basically felt like they wanted to leave it up to the teams and allow them access to communities as normal. Um, so it's understandable, but it's a gamble. Um, and then of course, baseball is probably the best example of something that's just just been terrible. I mean, you've got teams that have had entire weekends, entire series canceled. Um, there's just no way of knowing, you know, how that's going to play out for them. Um, so, so here's a couple of things that I would ask is what do you think it's possible that we might actually see an entire NFL team opt out? And then the other question is, 
if it were up to you, you had a magic wand and it was like, Ruben, here's what we should do with the NFL season. What do you do? Man. Well, to answer the first question, I think absolutely you could have a whole team. Um, Why don't I wouldn't go as far as saying opt out because I don't think a team will go that far, but I think you would see possibly a team sort of, you know, I guess forfeit that week because they have too many guys that are out on the COVID list. You know, I think that's a real possibility. Um, and, and, and I don't know how the NFL deals with that. I mean, did they give them an asterisk? I mean, does it go down as a tie? I mean, <laughs> like what yeah. what happens in that scenario? We just don't talk about it. We just never speak of it again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the stats books, it'll just go from 2019 to 2021. Yeah, I, I just don't know what they do. And if I had a magic wand, coming back to the second part of your question, um, I think personally they just delay the season. I mean, I think – yeah. That would be the best thing. I mean, there's already talks of, you know, different kinds of vaccines and, and different kinds of things that are, you know, going through the process. I mean, I'm sure they won't be anything that'll happen, you know, tomorrow. But at the same time, like, I think the way the the schedule, you know, is, is kind of made up, I think pushing the schedule out, you know, to where there is no, like, winter type games, I mean – that would be kind of fun, right? I mean, yeah, you know, spring football season. Yeah, just wait till you know next year and see what happens, or you know, maybe start the season in those December months, and then you just get a couple of games in the winter, and then it just the rest yeah. of it's just all sunny skies, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think personally, if I had to pick, I think the best solution is just to wait. I know it's kind of um, not earth shattering, or you know, not the you know in vogue kind of you know, I guess kind of solution to everything. But I think it is, for me anyways, I think waiting is the best thing because, you know, the these other groups of major league sports like basketball and, and baseball, you know, basketball, the teams are smaller. So I think that kind of helps them out a bit. And then kind of coming up with the bubble idea was, was pretty good uh, to make things work. But at the same time, you know, early on, a lot of the guys weren't very happy about it and it was, you know, kind of tough on them. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I think instead of trying to over solution for such a huge problem, I think it's just better just to wait and see personally. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think that it really wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if an entire team opted out. And I think if, if having those 69 players was that much of a surprise, can you imagine like a team opting out what that would say, you know, to just the whole picture of what's happening. I think it would be interesting. Um, and then just to kind of go there myself in terms of like the magic wand, what do you do? I agree that waiting is best. I mean, you'd like to think that similar to the NBA, they could say, look, we are going to put the season on hold indefinitely. In the meantime, we're going to look at a way to safely play the game until either there's a vaccine and so either we can, you know, essentially do a bubble approach or until we see that we're having, you know, results that that are positive in the sense that we're not seeing it be an issue. We're not seeing things spread because, um, you know, end of the day, I think I think it's going to really hurt the league and it's really going to kill the season if it becomes a start stop like you. You don't want to have, you know, we play two games and then suddenly, you know, four teams are put on hold. 
and then you got to cancel games. Like, I, I just think that that would be a really poor, not just poor look on the league, but it just really messes with the season. Um, so obviously guys are able to, you know, to train, to stay prepared, to be ready. Might as well give them some extra time uh, to just continue focusing on that and then essentially play a season when you know you can. I think that would be ideal. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. I mean, I think, again, and I predicted this a couple episodes ago, that I think the NFL just calls it quits. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the NFL is like the Ferrari of all the sports. And some people might not agree with me or think that that's true, but they always seem to put out a product that is consistent, it's good, it's fun to watch. There's hardly anybody in that walks the earth right now that wouldn't know when the Super Bowl is going on. You know, sure. it's it's the most watched event. Um, you know, anybody just seems to know what's going on about football at any point. It's 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 so hard to ignore. It's so hard to avoid. It's in your face. It's such a, such a huge marketing thing. I mean, I think I read that the NFL would lose a billion dollars if they canceled the season. I mean, that's how much money is writing on this a billion dollars. Right. So, I mean, uh, it's crazy, but I, I think, I, I don't know. I just think that they want, they want to put out a product that, that still has everybody in awe. And I just, don't see that they get there i just don't think they can do it you know yeah and the only other thing that i find interesting in all this is i would argue that in the last especially the last decade or so if there's any sport that's taken more criticism for player safety and and not just in the nfl i think this goes all the way down to like peewee leagues it's football Right. There's been this whole focus and push on like head to head contact and how and how terrible and, and, and the results that that can have. Um, so so to have a league that's already had, you know, I think just exposure and issues with just general safety and 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 really has tried in some ways to kind of soften that up. Right. They changed the kickoff and things like that. It's interesting to me that here we are with a pandemic that's global. And they're kind of just like, nah, we're good. You know, we'll just uh, business as usual and uh, we'll be fine. So I, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I want a season to happen more than anything. Um, so if you're listening and you're like, this is freaking me out, I can't imagine anything other than just a regular football season. I would encourage people to look up um, the article that Mitch Goldich put out on SI just, a, just yesterday, actually. And it's really just uh, an idea um, or proposal for how the season could go if it were changed up a bit. Um, I won't go into all the details, but I mean, there is a way that this all can happen. Like there is a way for us to still have football, but it be done in a way that's that's safe, um, sensible, um, and, and just tries to account for everything that's going on. So hopefully, you know, we'll get the Ferrari as best we can. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh... – Everybody's trying a solution for this, and I think the hardest thing, at least for me mentally with this season, is that, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you expect Christmas to be on December 25th, and it's just always on that day, and Christmas is just Christmas, and I think that's kind of how I feel with this. I feel like the season has to start on this week or this day and and that's in the season just goes you know i mean <laughs> i'm trying to figure out you know uh you know all kinds of things through the whole 
last half of the year just all around football. And I think so true. I think a lot of us are trapped in that. Like we just want to turn on our television on Sunday and see football. Uh, we want it to be that simple and that easy, but unfortunately, well, <laughs> it's and, and not just that. But I mean, this is a really exciting time for the league. I mean, there are some really great young players, you know, that just in the last few years have kind of been like on the rise, you know, Patrick Mahomes, um, obviously kind of the star guy, but then you've also got like Russ Wilson, like guys that are still competing at a high level. Then you've got teams like Tennessee that are like essentially on the rise. Like it's a, it's an exciting time for football. So you, even just for that alone, you want that to be there. And I think you make a great point. It's familiarity. Um, the only other thing I worry about is I drink a lot as it is on football Sundays. So if those Sundays show up and there isn't football, I got to compensate somehow. And that's probably just going to be with more drinking. So this isn't really going to help me out in the long run. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's I, I do, for the most part, as odd as it might sound, I do kind of trust all the minds that are at work here um, to, to, to pull it off and to do it safely and, Really, it's just hoping for the best at this point. Well, and I think you brought up a really kind of fascinating uh, perspective on the league. I mean, you're right. You have a league that has faced, you know, bounty scandals, head, you know, head concussion scandals, you know, players that have abused, you know, drugs behind the scenes to deal with pain and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you have all of these things that the NFL has tried to deal with and make things happier and better and kind of, you know, make everybody believe that there's just nothing wrong with, you know, guys going out and hitting each other at 150 miles an hour on the field. You know, it's just kind of right. It's natural. Yeah. Like it's all good. Happens every day. Uh, yeah, yeah. These are normal things in everyday society. Um, but, you know, but then, you know, when it comes to the virus, they've sort of, like you said, they kind of like, didn't really kind of go into that mode. So, uh, but at the same time, the NFL has always been reactive, right? They let, true. they let the scandals happen. Uh, you know, it's kind of like with the domestic violence, right? They, it, it comes to a point where you have clips of, um, that running back. I can't think of his name where he, he punches. I know his, the name, but I'm not going to throw him under the bus. Uh, he punches his wife in the elevator. Uh, you know, it's, it, they kind of wait till things are, are that bad before they sort of do something, right? So they're very reactive. So I think that's kind of the the way they're taking this. To be honest, I think they're just gonna let like they're just kind of like well, let's see what happens, right? Uh, you know, I just really think that that's just the way they've done things, and that's the way they're gonna do this season. Yeah, and and look to all the teams' credit, you know, each team, you know, they they've got plans in place, they've got them all approved. So you know, in that respect, it's not like anyone's just entirely sat back and been like, everything's fine. And, and I think it also, like I tried to mention before, it, it kind of just represents that idea that probably a lot of people didn't think we'd still be having to consider these things this late in the year. Um, but, you know, end of the day, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the most exciting sports that we have. I think it's a great time for the league. There's a lot of great talent, a lot of competition. So hopefully, you know, the approach that you're seeing from, our team and, and what other teams are doing will allow us to, you know, have as full and regular a season as possible. Um, Cause you know, sports are kind of that thing that, you know, kind of just, you kind of like plan around, you kind of like rely on it in a sense. It's a great escape. It kind of gives you something to look forward to. 
it's like a unique sense of meaning. So, you know, just, just rooting for the best in, in, in every possible way. Yeah. I definitely don't want to lose a season. Um, it's going to, you know, it would really suck. Um, and like you said, I think there's whole, especially, you know, when you think about cities like Philadelphia, for example, the whole city, like, you know, or Seattle, the, the whole city revolves around what the team did that week or how the team's doing. You know, they just, they feed off of it. It gets their mind off of crappy things in their lives. I mean, for me, you know, playing fantasy football and preparing for Sunday, just, you know, it really just gets rid of all the stress I have during the week. And then when it finally comes around, it feels like Christmas that morning, you know, getting ready, putting on my gear, you know, making sure I have all my beer ready. You know, it's those kinds of things just like are just a big relief. So, yeah, I mean, I really hope that we get to see this season and people I think really need it, especially now with everything that's going on. I mean, I, you know, just so much stress and, and everything else, it'd be nice to just turn on the TV and have some football, you know? Yeah. Well said, no pressure football, but if you could just, <laughs> you know, carry on, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, listen, uh, any other thoughts before we move on to uh, that thread segment? Uh, no, that's kind of it. I think, you know, I think we've said it all that you can say, and I'm glad we got to cover uh, some of the important topics that are going on with the Titans right now. And it, it's hopefully things work out with Beasley. That's really kind of where I'm at. So I dig it. Yeah. And, and, and the next week or so is going to be even more exciting. I think, cause we'll get to see some, some more legit practices take place. We'll obviously get, you know, a better idea of like where players are at conditioning wise. Um, I, I think we're going to see just a lot of improvement from, really just about every every player spot we have. So it's definitely exciting. Um, Threads-wise, <laughs> I will say to go there, um, I haven't noticed a ton of new stuff drop other than um, a really epic uh, short-sleeve uh, hoodie that I, I sent to you before. But I did get uh, one of the sideline hoodies in the mail, and I'm super impressed with the detail. Like, they've kind of gone with that two-tone, you know, layered look with the colors. So it's got mostly the bright blue, uh, but also some of the Navy. Uh, and you made a great point when we were talking about it in that we're one of the only teams that really has that color um, quite like it. So it was kind of awesome to get to get a piece that, that really represents that. It's super comfortable. I made the place really cold just so I could wear it during the week because <laughs> that's the kind of person that I am. The weather doesn't cooperate. I just make it cold inside. Sit so, in the fridge. You were sitting in the yeah. fridge like, oh, yeah, this will work. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Now, the gear's been great, man. It's, uh, you know, it's hard even – take take a pick on which one you like because I, I mean they all look great and you know again to your point it the the nike finally opened things up i think it took us to get to the afc championship game to kind of turn on some of the better stuff that we can get but you know luckily it's here now and you know i think the sideline gear looks great i got a couple of polos a couple weeks back you know my wife was nice enough to pick up that white one that uh you know shout out to the wife yeah i mean i see that white polo and like it's funny i get all excited all over again to, to only know that i own it you know <laughs> I, so i don't have a wife so anyone listening i'm a size large um <laughs> if you just want to send me gift me something uh, i'm not opposed to it i'll wear it well <laughs> that was awesome uh yeah 
So, but I like the polos, and I, I still haven't had a chance to wear them because I haven't been able to go into work yet. So, uh, you know, I, just do it anyways, man. I've, I've been wearing them at home. Like, what the hell? Why not? <laughs> I know. I had a, a dinner uh, with some neighbors last night. I was really close to busting it out, but uh, uh, I was, you know, mixing drinks and stuff. I was afraid I'd stain the white shirt. So I didn't oh, yeah. You do got to be careful with that. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's a good question in regards to gear. So let's say you could have any custom jersey. Uh, what would what would it be like? What what style? And then and like who would it be for? Oh man, I almost want to say that's a trick question. Uh, How is that a trick question? It's like the most <laughs> open ended question ever. I think because there's so many guys that just kind of pop in my head right away. Um, a trick question would be like, who do you love more, me or your wife? That's a trick question. Uh, <laughs> Bradley, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Uh, uh, yeah. I. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's so tough because I want to go between Eddie George and Eric McNair. It'd be one of those guys. Um, and I would love to pick their name their number on one of the newer ones just because the new jerseys are so cool but yeah i think that's an option now they rolled that out yeah but i think at the same time like i think that kind of does them dirty because you know they're sort of tied to that era of the Hmm. tennessee legacy so um it it come down between them two and then i think if you you know, put a gun to my head and said you got to pick between those i'd probably go with eddie george man i think you know, he was just a great to me. I, I really, you know, l- looked up to him. I, I He had my favorite number, which was 27. Um, and he just, it just seemed like he was always willing to run through a brick wall for the team. You know, w- one of my fondest memories was when he hurt his shoulder in that game. And, you know, he's on the sideline cringing in pain. And he still went back in there and ran over um, Lewis, that linebacker. Uh, so, I mean, that was crazy. So, I mean, I don't know. The guy's tough as nails. Um, it was always just like, I thought he looked like a gladiator on the field. I mean, I would go with Eddie George hands down. It's an an amazing choice. There's some interesting thoughts there though. Like, I I think it's interesting that, you know, you kind of make the connection between the time that they play the uniforms being different you kind of want them to, to be the same, pay homage to that. Like, I can see that. That's kind of cool. Like, it'd be a little bit weird if somebody had, like, a worn moon jersey, but it was, like, the brand new one. And you're kind of like, well, that's odd because that's not what he wore. So I can definitely <laughs> see that. Uh, and you can't go wrong with Eddie George. I mean, like, he really was that first franchise running back. And and we've touched on it. Certainly has been a huge influence on Henry. So you, uh, you're you going to laugh at my answer. Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to tell you right you now. You're probably going to give me. You're going with a kicker. Gonna give me, well, no, that'd be neat, though. <laughs> no, I know. Um, I'm just making I don't know. So I'll give you a hint. All right. All right. It, it would be a Navy jersey, and it'd be number 50. Navy jersey. Two hints. Number 50. It's not technically a current player. Oh. I'm giving you all the hints. I'm trying to think. 50 is a. Uh, a lineman jersey, right? Like it's it is. Um, Those fitties. So, uh, and he's not a current player. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think what lineman. Javon Kirsch. 
Oh, that'd be a good one. But no, it's not Curse. <laughs> Didn't Curse wear 90? I think he did, actually. He was a higher 90. number, yeah. So it must be an offensive lineman. I'm he thinking. probably wore 50 when he was like a smaller kid, though. Worked his way <laughs> up. That's what I'd do. No, listen. And again, react however you want to. It'd be a Vrabel jersey. Oh. Oh. Look, man. And here, here's why. Here's why. Okay? <laughs> No. I'm, I'm telling you right now, no. telling you right now, he is going to be the coach that will <laughs> this franchise to at least one Super Bowl, if not more. Uh, uh, I, just, I just love the guy. I love the guy. In two years, he's, he's already gotten us to an AFC championship. He's deadpan. He's sarcastic. He speaks his mind. I could, we could probably do another hour of me just talking about Rabel. I just, uh, I just really appreciate the man. So why not have a jersey? I, you know, I, I don't feel like getting into it with this, but <laughs> how, would, how would you pick guys like Warren Moon, you know, Earl Campbell, Mac Nine, you know, Eddie George, you know, Bullock, you know, you had the, I mean, all of these guys, Javon Kirsch, I, I, mean, I know, just staples of, you know, I don't know, man. I think that's kind of hokey. <laughs> now I have to do it just to get just to get a rise out of you. I mean, if, you might as well just cut your hair like a mullet, like the way he used to have it back in the Is day. Is it a mullet? Yeah. Yeah, I guess he probably used to. You know what face I'm picturing, though? There's a really awesome gif of, of Rabel's reaction when Henry scored and also got the running title that game against Houston last season. Mm. He's almost got this, like, smirk. You know, like almost like he just knew it was going to happen, but is still happy about it anyways. <laughs> That's just kind of how I feel about it. Like, I know it's a little bit silly, so to speak, but I just think he's a great coach. So for me, it'd be fun to just uh, represent and support him that way. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> enough I'm, said. I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm a... If our ratings tank, uh, I think we know why. <laughs> like, these know... guys were sounding great until one of them said he'd wear a coach's jersey. <laughs> Who never actually played for the Titans. <laughs> yeah, but he's leading us, man. I know. And, I, and it's so funny how, like, you know, you're you're just – uh, toting the company line with him, you know, it's just so funny. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that'd be an interesting jersey. I think it'd be one that would be kind of fun to get, but I don't think it would be, like, the jersey for me. But, you know, that's hey, fair. to each their own, you know. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> I would wear it, and then I would just, no matter what anyone said to me, I would just give them very short, vague answers. <laughs> Someone could, like, say hello, and I'd be like, well, maybe. I don't know. Oh man, that's interesting. Variable jersey. Yeah. I mean, you could have picked. Just Byronis. thought of that this week. Look, there would be others to choose from. I just Montgomery. You know, he was a good punter. Kern for a would lot be of a years. great jersey too. Kern, another good. Brett punter. Kern doesn't get enough recognition. We have some of the best punters and yeah, kickers. That's ridiculous. You know, Byronis, even Suckum, even though he had a rough year, he's still another really good kicker. Somewhere right now, there's a punt that Kern kicked that still hasn't landed. <laughs> Still waiting. <laughs> Still waiting. Yeah. I I remember when I got an autograph from uh Montgomery back in the day as an oiler, uh he signed it with hang time on it because uh you know his hang time was crazy. It would just hang in the air forever, similar to the to Kern, so you know. Uh, but 
Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting pick, man. It's gonna he's gonna have my head spinning. I'm gonna be definitely. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need the week off just to recover from that alone. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it'd been an interesting week that just made it go sideways. You know. <laughs> I think I think in some way, like this is probably gonna become what I'm known for, and that is either gonna be really awesome or just really, I don't know, awkward. I guess, but I'm okay with it either way. <laughs> And you're like, oh, that's that guy with that Vrabel jersey. <laughs> and a mullet. <laughs> Watch I do it on, like, Fanatics or something, and, like, it prompts me several times. Are you sure? Are you sure you really want to do are you sure? Are you, are you absolutely sure? I can't. Well, listen, man, we're at 80 minutes. Yeah, we're breaking barriers. Epic. Yeah. Freaking epic. <laughs> this is what happens when we take a couple extra days. There's that much more to go over, but it's great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a full plate today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to say um, I appreciate um, some of the thoughts and feedback and upvotes from Reddit um, through the podcast link and info on the Titans Reddit page last week. So um, those listening, uh, super appreciate the support. If you've got any feedback, you can always send us an email, two-tone take podcast at Gmail. And um, yeah, this is a, a truly epic fourth episode. Yeah, no, and well said, because anybody who supports us, you know, in our little endeavor, it, you know, we're super appreciative of it. And thank you, everybody who takes the time to listen. I know some of these are quite long, so I don't expect anyone to, you know, listen for 80 minutes, but if you do, I do, more power to you. And uh, I thank everybody again for uh, all the nice things they've said or bad things because, you know, constructive criticism is important. Uh, but, you know, yeah, no, thank you, everybody. And it's been a cool ride, and I'm glad we're we're doing this in, the, in these kinds of crazy times. Well said. It definitely provides some some good motivation and escape during the week. So, so that's it for episode four, and uh, we'll be back in a week to to recap whatever's happening at that point. All right, man. Ruben, yeah, Take yeah, care, folks, out.